Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hey there, we're riffing on the word empowerment for 2020 and we're now on W, W. And W for me represented wonder, being in a state of wonder or awe and, and kind of finding or refining your sense of innocence. So do you have a sense of wonder or innocence in your life? And what would it take for you to experience it on a regular basis? So to kind of begin to investigate that for the next few weeks, it's really fun actually to move yourself into a state of wonder and discover your innocence. And meanwhile, get Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey book. Do the work in there. There is a section on wonder and be supported in how you are going to live 2020 from a place of empowerment. And here's our show. So today I have a, uh, just a lovely, lovely guest joining me today. I, I think everybody's just going to fall in love with her like I did the first conversation we had. But before we jump into the conversation, I want to remind everybody that uh, my book, Live an Empowered Life, I'm looking for it here, uh, A 30-Day Journey, is available on Amazon. And uh, what better time than now to really investigate the truth of who you are, who you want to be, um, and renew your purpose, whatever your purpose is, investigate it, see if it still sticks for you, or if there's another purpose for you to develop and then uh, lean toward as we uh, not only come out of this isolation process, but in the isolation process, really learn to love ourselves and find that inner freedom and honor the brilliance that we are so that we can come out of all of this feeling richer and uh, more connected. So Live an Empowered Life, a 30-day journey. I recommend it highly. I wrote it. I did the work that's in the book. So I know that it's actually uh, got proven traction in terms of finding the truth of who you are and that divine spark within you. So that's my, that's my little plug. But today um, we're going to have a conversation with Kay Hutchinson, who is an author and um, she's written her, what she's calling her memoir. Yes. My life in 37 therapies. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. Kay, thanks for joining me. Lovely, lovely to be here. Thank you for asking. I'm looking forward to this. I am too. So you've got, share with everybody your story of how you, where you were and how you got to uh, where you are now. Because one of the things in a conversation we had with Colleen Biggs on Lead Up for Women you mentioned the word redundancy. And I know that that's a UK kind of, it's time for you to retire, get your butt out of the corporate world kind of thing. But I had to look it up because in America, you know, it doesn't, redundancy kind of is 
something about being repetitive, right? And so I looked it up. It said superfluous repetition, unnecessary repetition. I'm like, how does somebody who's worked and lived life and done amazing things become something that's repetitive and, 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 and that you have to move out? Oh, I'm going to say it, Kay. I'm going to say it. To make room for those youngsters who don't know cock-a-doo-dah because they haven't lived life yet, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so I was in TV and radio for many, many years, and I worked for some of the big companies here. Um, I was a radio producer for BBC World Service and Music, and I also worked for um, Channel 4, and I did the launch of Channel 5, and also the very first Disney Channel outside the UK, um, I was responsible for the successful launch of that channel. And as part of my work, um, when I went back to the BBC after there, um, I was a director of partnerships and I ended up getting involved in the Olympic Legacy uh, project and brought together a very large number of media companies who wanted to make sure that after the 2012 Games, something of value would be left behind. Mm. And right in the middle of that project, it was very important. It involved all kinds of big companies from all around. You know, you can imagine technology companies, BT, tele telephone companies, media companies. Suddenly, I get made redundant. And in, in this country, it's, it's, it's becoming more common. I know that in the, U, the US, People do shift around and mm -hmm. move organizations and actually take it in their stride. I think because we are a little bit more uptight culture here, it's not good. And because I really was very much um, married to my career, shall we say, uh, it was a huge blow to me. Because at that time, I'd had a bit of a difficulty in my life. I'd had a midlife crisis. Um, was divorced from my husband, was living alone, and actually all that I really had left was my job. Mm. And it was 2008, so there uh -huh. was a crash, but um, the big R word was, was dreadful for me because I was quite high up in the organisation and suddenly um, I was living in my home, uh, you know, on my own and I had no job. And I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. And I felt huge responsibility to all these companies who were talking about the Olympics to continue on. So I ended up having to pick myself up, find a way through, and I ended up starting a little company of my own. And it took quite a long time for that company to go anywhere. But now, slightly different, but still in the creative industries, I run my own small publishing company. And last year, um, it's a publishing company that publishes children's books. And last year, I published my own book. That was the first book that I had written completely solo. Um, and the, the book is really about this very pivotal time of change in my life and how I got through it. And it's kind of ups and downs. I mean, it's not all downs, although there were a lot of quite uh, difficult things involved there. Um, including my my mother died of cancer. Oh my goodness! And I really had to, I had to spend a lot of time because I worked in London, travelling up to Scotland 
to do my best to look after her. And then just after about four years, my mother sadly passed away. And um, I discovered that my husband had cancer as well. I found a lump on his neck. So there, were, there was a lot going on. And I think the losing the job was the last piece in the jigsaw that made everything kind of implode and collapse. And uh, what I found was that um, it was the start of a journey um, for me investigating what really I wanted to know why everything had gone wrong. Everything mm. went wrong. Right. And um, I was on my own without any sort of uh, support network. I didn't want to bother my friends. They were, you know, they had their own problems. And I started becoming interested in therapies and looking at at how they might help me recover myself and help myself. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's why the, the book is called My Life in 37 Therapies and it covers that whole period of, of, um, of trying to find out what went wrong and understand why things had happened. That was it really. Wow, I got chills as you're talking, Kay, because that, you know, it wasn't just one thing. It was a plethora of, things that we any one of them we can say oh that's a bad thing that's terrible and then to have it be oh my god redundant it's repetitive it's so many different bad things that you had going on um you know and then for you to come out healthy you know mentally emotionally and spiritually in your investigation of why things went bad um, I want to get to some of those therapies in a moment, but prior to us starting this recording, we were talking about, we were recording during the coronavirus isolation thing that's happening across the planet. And Kay and I were talking about the what if, you know, what, what are things going to look like when we come out of this? And um, I know, I know I keep trying to find the good things, you know, I, I think uh, what we're watching right now, and if you're listening to this months later, maybe, you know, the hindsight's going to give us the illumination. But what we're watching, I believe, is a complete, um, not destruction, but a collapse of very old paradigms that um, definitely don't work anymore. And people coming out of this, I think, we were talking, Kay, about they may want to find their normal. They want to go back to normal. So um, share your thoughts about that because you've got some really profound thoughts. Well, I think, um, do, you, do you know the film um, Koyaanisqatsi? No. Right, okay, because it just suddenly came into my mind. It's something that people should look up. I mean, it's, it's really quite an old film now. But it's all about the fact that our life has now become too busy. We're running around doing things. We're losing sight of our spirituality and our purpose and the importance of looking after our home, which is the planet. Yeah. And I think because things have speeded up so much that actually what I'm finding in this moment is that we are all of us given an opportunity to reflect 
on where our planet is and where we what our our position in the planet is so i'm looking at all the good things that have happened out of this and clearly there are some very dreadful experiences for many people at the moment and it's frightening it's terrifying and we are seeing you know health people in the health service really really struggling terribly people dying but i'm looking at some of the positives um you know it, it's just amazing in venice yeah you know it only took a matter of weeks before nature came back swans dolphins in that water which was ruined and we've also been able to we can listen to the birds now we can actually hear the church bells ring here in england because there are there's no traffic little or no traffic there's no aircraft noise we can and we can actually experience what it was like many years ago before everything got too busy i also think that we are able to really get back to an inner sort of peace and silence if we want and if we're able to but which is really really something that i think a lot of people in their very very busy lives just do not have time for even when i think when i was working when I was exercising, it was always pound, 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 you know, I had to get somewhere and I had to, to do something, to, to really do well and, and prove to myself that I was fit and healthy. And I think one of the wonderful things I'm finding at this time is that there's a lot more of a, a spiritual thing, lots of people helping each other through this time. And actually I'm noticing wonderful guided meditations like, as, like yours, in fact, and Susan, the, you know, they are so important to keep everyone going at the moment because I think some people are very, very lost yes. because suddenly it's just all disappeared. The structure has gone. Uh -huh. And so I think, you know, I, I work with someone who is very involved in the travel business and obviously that's collapsed. But even there, we were talking about the fact that pristine, small places, Easter Island, it might be Yosemite, instead of being, having an onslaught of tourists and numbers getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single year, everything is stopped. It's allowing nature to come back and it's allowing us to see what really we wanted out of those beautiful, pristine places in the first in the first um, hand. I mean, when you see pictures of Yosemite or Wonder Grand Canyon or something like that, you always see maybe a couple of people um, looking out over a wonderful view. You get there and it's just mobbed with people. Yes, massive amounts of people. Yeah. Yes. And, um... and actually, they can't cope. These places can't really cope with the numbers of tourists now. And we've got oh. a, 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 an inkling of what it could be like in the future if we were a little bit more careful about uh, industrial effluent, you know, with all the industry stopped all over the world, particularly in places like China and Asia and America, some of the big, big places, stopping the air pollution has dropped dramat dramatically. Yes. So there are lots of, of things that give us a potential new vision for the, the planet. Yes, and hopefully there's people paying attention to that, right? There's people 
you know, the people that say there is no global warming are paying attention to the fact that when we stop, when we take this pause, then all of it, that mother nature can reset itself, but it is us that are the parasites. We are the ones that are contributing to the destruction of the environment and the planet and all that stuff. But also, um, we were talking about the positiveness that could come out of this, right? And um, hold on, I have to cough, hold on. Bless you. Thank you. Um, and you were saying, Kay, that you were uh, really trying to focus on what the silver lining could be, which is what you just, part of what you just described. But I'm, we were also talking about our concern that people will attempt to jump right back into the way their life was, the way their corporate job was or whatever job it is that they've had. And again, get back on that, um, I want to say rat wheel, you know. Treadmill, yes. Treadmill, right. And, um, and I, I want us to just, okay, so I'm just going to say it straight up. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. When you come out of this, whatever this is for you, I really want to invite you to come out consciously aware, consciously awake. And that means what Kay's talking about, about really finding your spiritual connection within, whatever that looks like for you. Because it, the, the entire pause we're going through isn't because there's a virus that's going to come and get everybody and slaughter people on the planet. That's not really the truth. This is a higher, higher call to really investigate who you are, why you're here on the planet right now, and what it is, what your purpose is, what your true purpose is, not your purpose to provide for your family and make a lot of money and go to the Bahamas five times in a year, whatever that was, but your purpose spiritually, consciously, Right, Kay? It's, that's the I, time. I, I totally agree. I, it's so odd mm. for me too, because when I went through that difficult period in my life, I did spend a lot of time on my own. And it's strangely similar now, but I feel at ease because I did a lot of work back then, which means that I'm able to be less panicky, uh, less fearful. And... I'm so glad I had that experience because I, I don't think I would be coping quite as well. Clearly, when things get back to normal, we have to live. But maybe we will stop over-functioning in the way that we all were up until this happened. And I like that word, over-functioning. And perhaps it will bring us together. Perhaps it will bring us together more. I mean, the one thing that's, that the COVID-19 has done is it's made politicians work together, governments work together. I mean, you know, they still have their little, you know, digs. But actually, you know, our own prime minister is in intensive care. It's amazing the people who didn't believe in his policies. I mean, there's still, there's humanity there. They, all of us wish him well. And there's something about this planet-wide problem that is actually making us see the humanity 
at the centre of all of this. It doesn't matter where, what country you're from in the world, what language you speak, what religion you have, you are a human being and that's yes. what matters most. That is the most primary thing. And, that, and, and I am hoping and praying that as we come out of it and get back to our lives, living our lives in whatever way we're choosing, that we remain, uh, that unity remains at the forefront of our thought, that we are unified as a humanity and we, and as opposed to the division that was so running rampant everywhere in, in almost every country, I, I think, and keeping people separated and segregated and all that. I, I really want to really claim for all of us that we step out in a unified, recognizing that we are one with each other. Like you said, Kay, it doesn't matter where, what country or what religion or, or what political affiliation like you said. So, Kay, would you share a couple of, um, from your book, My Life in 37 Therapies, a couple of uh, therapies that you did that um, people might find useful now? Okay. Well, uh, let me think. Uh, silent Retreat is probably the one that I'm thinking about most at the moment, because um, that Silent Retreat, I think, really turned things around for me. So picture this, okay. 10 days over Christmas one year, my father sent me a Christmas card early and said, Christmas without you, that, that, what, I can't believe it. Um, so I found myself, um, it was in England, it wasn't in any fancy um, exotic place, but it was a silent retreat called a Vipassia, Vipassana medita meditation retreat. Uh, there were 50 women. I didn't know this, but it was we were segregated. There was another hut down the, the, the road where all the men were, 50 men, but we were 50 women. We were eight to a dorm, sharing bunk beds, one bathroom between eight of us. Um, the bell went at four in the morning. Breakfast was at half past four. And the rest of the day was, spe was spent in total silence. And we meditated for I uh, up to 10, 10 and a half hours a day. Oh my goodness. Um, and the only time we weren't meditating, we were either eating or we were walking in this tiny patch of grass. I mean, honestly, it, it, it's, it's hilariously ridiculous, but I'm afraid it was the reality, this damp, dark Christmas period. And I had thought, well, it would be nice to miss the Christmas chaos for once and actually try and get away and get myself back to some sort of centering because I, I felt a bit all over the place. And what was amazing about that? I could see, you know, some people left. They couldn't do it. And there was one day where somebody um, at, in the dinner room which was all vegetarian food and it, it was quite frugal dinner was two pieces of fruit at half past four in the afternoon <laughs> that was wow. it wow anyway i heard someone let out this horrendous scream and she disappeared and uh, i think she probably just couldn't i mean it was very very hard because most of us had never known what it was like to meditate and the form of meditation that we were in was about calming your mind and um, focusing on the
the tiny circulation of the blood in your system, the, the tingling right down to your fingertips. And that's all you did for 10, 10 and a half hours a day. You concentrated on calming the mind, sitting in a darkened room <laughs> all together. And um, the funny thing was, I, you know, I'm a chatty person. I didn't think I would get through it, but I did. And at, towards the end, I could immediately see that everything that I was doing was more important. I was eating more mindfully. You know, I was cutting up my little apples and putting them and chewing them carefully and, you know, really, really enjoying every simple thing. Everything slowed down. I loved even my little five minute run out into the grass. I would look up at the sky or down at my feet and I would admire all these, you know, some people wearing slippers and some wearing boots. And I mean, just such a weird experience. But I think everyone at the end of it felt that it was a very enriching and nourishing experience. And at the end of it, I couldn't really speak very easily. My voice was all hoarse. And I didn't want to immediately jump back into conversation. And I found after that, that I was okay being on my own. I wasn't panicking. I wasn't having sleepless nights. I wasn't having panic attacks. Um, I was less worried. And I think, although, you know, let, let's be honest, we never had, it's not all plain sailing, but because I'd experienced that sense of peace, I think it allowed me to realize at any time I could go back to that place and find some sort of centering, no matter what was going on around me. So that was a brilliant one, the silent retreat. Oh are a lot my of, goodness. There are a lot of funny ones as well, but. Tell us a funny one, Kay. <laughs> um, so at this time, I was very open to new experiences and new therapies. And believe it or not, I had never tried acupuncture. I just thought that the idea of the needles was just terrible. So, um, but equally, I wanted to try something new because I thought this thing about, you know, actually sticking pins in you might suddenly make a difference to how I was feeling. I was very, very low, quite depressed and feeling kind of stuck. And if you look at any of the books about acupuncture, it tells you that it can unblock trapped energy and actually help the fluid and flow of life. And of course, to me, that meant physically, but it also meant mentally. Mm -hmm. So I trotted off to my, uh, I signed up for six, typical me, signed up for six, didn't really know much about it, thought I'll find out when I get there. You know, I've, I know what it is, it's sticking pins in you, but I knew nothing about it. I was lulled into a beautiful false sense of security. A wonderful uh, Chinese lady met me. She gave me a little uh, drink of green tea in a tiny little tumble, tumbler. And I drank that, it tasted a bit odd, but anyway, it, I thought it must be doing me good. Before long, I was naked in a basement room with a Chinese doctor, a man, running around, opening these noisy plastic packages and sticking pins in the most terrible places, head, uh -huh. wrist, uh -huh. back of the hand, knees, ankles. And nobody had explained to me what was happening because they were all Chinese. And it was only the lady 
at the reception that spoke any English. So I was just like a lamb to the slaughter. I didn't really know what was going on. But again, I think once I got into, I started reading up about it myself, because obviously they weren't going to tell me right, much about right. the herb teas. And they had all these wonderful uh, Chinese herbs and they had, they had teas and ginseng and all kinds of different roots, which are good for you. I read about it myself, got myself a bit more uh, used to what it was. And I did find that I felt much, much better, usually the evening after I'd been for the acupuncture needles. But um, yes, it was a bit of a baptism of fire. I bet it was. You know, uh, so acupuncture. You have acupuncture? I, I have acupuncture once or twice a week. It's, it's the thing. Uh, I've been doing it regularly for uh, six years now, but I've done it on and off uh, all my adult life. It's actually... My acupuncturist is my doctor. I don't go to a regular doctor anymore. Right. I, go, I go to my acupuncturist who's Chinese, but he's American Chinese. American Chinese, yes. But the very first acupuncturist I went to, I was, my son was eight months old. I was in a, a horrible postpartum depression. I was part of the, the, the 5% that gets into that depression that's suicidal. Horrible. And um, it was horrible. And I didn't know how to get out. And I was nursing and my regular doctor wanted to give me an antidepressant, which I, I didn't want. And somehow, I don't know how, I found this woman who was Chinese, didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> and she saw me and the first, and and did all the needles. I didn't even, I didn't know, Kay. I didn't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> I just knew I was so bad off. Just somebody fixed me. And I saw her uh, during this time three times a week. I had to find somebody to watch my son. And she um, said, you know, she recommended I stop breastfeeding um, because the hormones were depleting. Uh, you? Yes. They were, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't healthy for me any longer. And therefore, it wouldn't be healthy for my son. And... Um, and I remember just feeling a sense of relief, even though she didn't speak English, that um, I would go there and she would put needles it, up here and I would sleep for an hour because yes. part of the depression was I was sleep deprived. But also then if I couldn't get a babysitter, she said, bring my son, Aww. you know, eight, nine months old, and she would watch him while I slept, you know, with needles in me or, you know, and he would, she would have, I probably shouldn't say this, but um, she would have him uh, help her take needles out, you know, <laughs> training he, him. Right. Which he just, I guess at age eight months, he thought that was fine. Like, brilliant. And I saw her, <laughs> I saw her regularly for a year because when I also, when I um, delivered my son, there were neurosynapses in my brain that dried up and the acupuncture helped to reconnect them. I lost, Wonderful. I lost, uh, all of my multiplication and addition capacities in my head. I still don't have those back. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had tested out of taking mathematics when I went to college because I had, I, I mean, I, I knew my stuff and then I didn't and vocabulary words. And at the time I was pursuing acting still. And so not to be able to use my words in a, a steady flow was frightening to me. Frightening, yes. Yeah. And, and actually, you make you make a really important point because 
in all of my um, 37 therapies, and there have been more since, I, I continue to be interested. Um, I think it's the therapist too. There are some absolutely wonderful caring people out there who really want to support people's recovery from yes. whatever yes. you know situation they're in or trauma that they've had to. And I think you said you you know start feeling so low that you're kind of suicidal about things. I I think sometimes these things can really really help. It's not just about having a counselor or a psychotherapist. Sometimes it's about physical things which really help everything work and be health and feel healthy and help right. your well-being. And the therapists are so knowledgeable and, and helpful. And if you can find someone like that who made it all easy for you and actually helped you, that, that's a wonderful thing. And I have a huge list of of people that I rely on, actually a part of my life now. I would say. Yes, that's that's me as well. I. Uh, ever since then, I've tried to have acupuncture, massage. Um, yeah. I, I see a, a, a healer, uh, yes. also a channeler, you know. Uh, when, I, when I can't move that energy stuff out of my own body, then I go see her um, mm -hmm. because she can just like lift that whatever it is off me. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there I am again. You know, sometimes you do, you need to yes. rely on other people. It's when you were saying, Kay, that you were, that you were alone. And, um, after all these many things that happened to you, um, then this journey, uh, really, I would say it's the journey to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. To find out who Kay really is now after having lived a life. And, um, I think a lot of people, when we I think, I think I think the thing that I discovered too was that um and I think this is the thing about many women is that we push ourselves very very hard yes we push ourselves to the limit and beyond and mm -hmm. sometimes your system and your body or your mind just says right enough I think what I discovered which was really interesting just setting aside the therapies themselves was how important my childhood and upbringing had been. Because I did go to a psychotherapist, I went to a few. And um, what that really helped me to understand is what my childhood had actually, how it shaped me, because I came from a very uh, strict sort of Scottish Presbyterian background. It was very patri patriarchal. The men were in charge and the women were supposed to just keep quiet in the corner. And it was partly to do with the, the time, but I think to a certain extent, as a, a youngster, you, you take that on board, you absorb that, you yep. believe that. And, and the very odd thing is that I think some of the decisions that you make about your whole life are made at a very young age, at an age when you shouldn't really be making such uh, decisions. And certainly in going back to that period, I realized that my big message or the, the, the belief that I had absorbed was that I just had to work hard and get on. That's all that mattered. Working hard and getting on because my mother had had to give up um, a career and working 
because she had children to look after and my father wasn't around. And I think I just absorbed this, no, you need to get on. And I knew my mother was very encouraging of me. But it meant when I got to this period where I was just pushing myself so hard and it wasn't working anymore and everything kind of collapsed, I think I could then understand why I seemed to be relentlessly wanting to push myself further. And it was wonderful. When you, when you see that and you understand that, you realise that you can just let that go. You don't have to be that person that you decided you were at the age of six or eight. You know, it, it drove me in a certain path for so many years. Now I could actually go a different direction. I could be easier on myself, not so blaming of myself for everything. Yes. Um, I learned a lot of that from Louise Hay, actually. Yes. I loved her books um, about not blaming yourself because I think women blame, blame themselves a lot for anything that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. I think we so, all take on a lot of responsibility because we're, mm -hmm. we're the ones that are handling so many um, different spinning plates and hats and, and all that. And we're good at it. Don't get we, me wrong. We right. are. We are. Amazing. But I think if you're not nourishing yourself, you can't, you can't continue to do that. And I think I had just, I was running on empty. I had not paid any attention to myself spiritually or anything else. And I think part of what this journey was, was plugging that part of me back in and also giving me a little bit more energy in order to keep going and, 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 start my life up again really mm -hmm. in, in a whole new way it sounds like in a whole new way yes. yes so that goes back to the the redundancy yes of the unnecessary repetition of pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves and and because it worked in the past right we think oh it's going to work again see i've done this before so i know if i do a b and c it's all going to work just like it did a while ago or a long time ago and 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 the truth, really, I believe, Kay, is that we are constantly in a state of change because spirit is dynamic. And because spirit's dynamic, that means it's a, we have to become aware that change is always happening and it's good. It's not necessarily bad, even though the, the bad things show up, so to speak. It's not, um, it's part of how we grow consciously and spiritually and therefore we we developed like you did with investigating 37 plus therapies yes. we, we develop new skill sets to deal with who we are now and what's in front of us as opposed to using the one or two or three old skill sets that become redundant yeah. and repetitive I also think I also think it was good for me because I think I was a different person mm -hmm. before this from the person that I was after. Yeah. And it taught me because I did so many different things. I found that if I did one therapy, like I went on a yoga retreat for one weekend and I discovered that one of the girls was an astrologer and there was another one who was into tarot card reading and there was one who was into dousing and doing, you know, kind of sort of psychological things and one thing led to another 
And I think after I had done all of these things, I, I found that really at different times, many of these therapies, and I did do lots of, you know, power animal cards and, you know, um, red Indian cards and, and all of those sort of things, that at different times, those really helped me and supported me and were right for me, angel cards, everything. They may not be, be right for you the whole way through your life, but at a certain time I was interested and they did provide me some help. It meant that when I came out of it, things that the old me might have said, well, that's just rubbish. I just would never judge now. I mean, on, on the front of the book, it actually says, this is the, my publisher who did this, um, who were very keen to say why voodoo is never the answer. Now, I actually did, when I did voodoo, um, I was getting better. I had been through a period where I was quite vulnerable and I was getting involved in all kinds of slightly dodgy things, some of them that were not good for me and were quite diminishing. But when I was coming out of this, it was the last therapy that I did um, really before I realised I was getting better. And the extreme measures that the voodoo priestess was wanting me to do just told me right away, actually, you're better. You don't need these things anymore. I'm sure it does work for people. And it's a very respected and ancient uh, you know, way of uh, spiritual supporting your life. But for me, it, it, I, just, I just didn't. I, I didn't need that anymore and it didn't mean anything to me when I when I did it and I realized that it, it had given me the ability to move on and recognize how far I'd come but I, I don't judge anything if it works for you do it right. <laughs> you know if you feel right. better go right. for it fill like your boots. spirituality is not a one-size-fits-all it's it, it's so unique to every individual because we are all unique emanations of the divine and and that when, when we get that, then we can let go of wanting everybody to be in the same box as us, right? You know, or do the same practice as us. Because like you said, Kay, what works for one person may not work for the other person. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And at different times in your life as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may not be right for you just now, but certainly there were things that I was doing. I was doing psychic calls. I went mm -hmm. through a really bad period where I shut myself off um from my friends and they became my friends because i couldn't talk to my friends anymore about all the the the, the kind of negative thinking that i had and it was actually very helpful to me to get over that period yeah um but i probably wouldn't do it now um mm -hmm. but who knows you never know i may need to do it again and i wouldn't I, you know, I wouldn't judge at all because they were lovely people. <laughs> they yeah. Were there. yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and like we said earlier, if, if somebody is really um, the real deal and authentic uh, and not a charlatan, um, then there's so much good that comes out of those experiences. And, and I just want to invite everybody, you will know if you're in a conversation with a practitioner of anything that, you have to listen to your inner guidance to know, is this person authentic? Is this person the real deal? Because there are quite a few uh, charlatans, that's the word I use, um, out there. And unless you have a developed radar to 
recognize those people, you have to be careful. Like you were saying, okay, getting caught in a vulnerable situation uh, and thinking that somebody has more wisdom than you and therefore you give them the authority over you, um, it can be a, an unhealthy situation, let's just put it that way. Especially, especially if you're feeling vulnerable. But the other thing that I would advise though, if you're trying to do something new, because I was doing physical things as well as spiritual things. So, you know, I was doing cupping and, you know, and Reiki and reflexology and even colonic irrigation I did as well. Um, oh, again, it was this moving on and this feeling of change and, and cleaning out the past to make way for the future. But there are lots of wonderful organizations that regulate qualifications. Yes. And they, you can look them up and see if are these registered people or have you have you not done your homework? Even if you don't do your homework, realize that you are slightly more open to being taken advantage of. So just be sensible and check it out if you're not sure. I mean, I was very careful when I went to the colonic irrigation place because obviously I, I didn't want to go to a back street place that I wanted yep. to go somewhere really reputable that had a good reputation and track record. And even some of my friends had been, in fact, one of my friends goes regularly, which I don't think I would do. But um, I think use the support that is there and there's so much online now you can you can spot things that are poorly done i think online but there are proper regulated mm -hmm. bodies in america as as in every other country that make sure that the qualifications and the people that are registered and at the highest level actually are on their sites that's always worth doing thank you kay so um Kay Hutchinson, the author of My Life in 37 Therapies. Now, where can people go to get your book? Um, well, it's, it's on Amazon and the audiobook has just come out on Spotify. It will be up on Audible soon. Um, I narrated it myself, which is an experience in itself. Oh, I'm um, so probably, excited. <laughs> probably the best uh, thing to do is to go to my website, which is www.khutchison.com. And it's H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N, K-A-Y, Hutchison.com. And on there, there's information and new things, news and events, that your interview will be there with, uh, with me. And also there's a therapy tour that takes you through all the different therapies, the 37, and the ones that I have done since and um you know the reviews and things on there so it would be lovely to you know and there's a couple of free uh, extra a couple of chapters that i didn't include in in the final book because i wanted to keep it to the right length but on swirling dervish dancing oh and if you sign up to my newsletter you you get that one fabulous yeah. so um i want to say thank you for doing the work for us <laughs> <laughs> For investigating all these different therapies and now it's on a review on your website and so I don't have to do all that research thank you for that Kay I appreciate that so much well it's, it's just it's wonderful talking to you and actually I I really admire what you're doing because you're actually you know giving people the opportunity to come to you feel more calm feel relaxed and empowered as well it's really a good a good resource for anyone. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you very much. So uh, the book is My Life in 37 Therapies. And go to Kay's website and investigate more. Thank you so much for uh, moving through your stuff <laughs> and becoming even a brighter light than you were before. I, I appreciate all that you've done and I can't wait to see what happens next for you, Kay. Absolutely. So, and us. Us and us. the world. Us and the world. Yeah. So maybe we'll check back in six months with each other and, and we'll that see. That would be lovely. That yeah. would be wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.